0: Once again, and welcome back to Pastor Life Podcast from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. I'm Rhonda Blevins, Pinnacle Associate and Pastor of Chapel-by-the-Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida.
1: And I'm David Brown, Pinnacle Associate and Pastor of The Welcome Table in Rock Hill, South Carolina.
0: Well, today we continue our conversation around the new normal. We're asking important questions about navigating church life and leadership, the challenges of pastoring in this post-COVID, or maybe we should just call it endemic world.
1: Yeah, I think it's not quite clear yet what <laughs> this new emerging world is, but hopefully we'll uh, get some feelers out there and, uh, and get a little closer as we go through this season. And our, our first guest for this season of Pastor Life is no stranger to the pod. It's Reverend Mark Tidsworth, yay! the founder and team le- leader of Pinnacle Leadership Associates.
0: Yeah, the boss is here again, so we got to be on our best, best behavior. behavior. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark has been doing some work around what he's calling the current situation. Many of our listeners will know of Mark's good work. Um, and how he engages with dozens, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands, millions of pastors and churches around I think mostly the United States. Mark's gifted with um, looking at church and leadership kind of from the 30,000 foot view, wouldn't you say David?
1: Yes, absolutely, and I think Mark really does a great job at sort of framing up where we are in the, the, the current environment and also how churches and pastors can be, you know, proactive and, and follow the Spirit into this new world that we live
0: in. Yeah. Well, David, I'm looking forward to our conversation with Mark, so let's bring him on. Welcome, Mark.
2: Thank you. I appreciate the invitation. It's great to be with you all this morning.
1: Well, we're starting this new season uh, called The New Normal, and so, you know, I guess as we jump into this conversation, what are you seeing, Mark, as the new normal? What's emerging in this world that churches and pastors operate in?
2: Yeah, I'm a little afraid to even use the phrase the new normal because it seems like as soon as something happens, it changes.
1: Yeah. Well we did uh in the title for this season put a couple of question marks after the new normal. So uh I think it's still yeah. something we're trying to figure out, right?
2: Yeah. Well that's that's a brilliant move because that communicates what it seems to be like for most of us that we get we get a taste of what seems like normal. Uh, but it's just a taste and then we move on to something else so and and maybe that is the new normal is that it is a rapidly changing world that that is the new normal and that's just the environment we find ourselves in right Um, so maybe that's part of the shift that uh we can make I, I think just saying that and recognizing it helps us relax a little bit perhaps and drop some expectations, and be open to the present more.
0: Yes, for sure. We've got to be adaptable. I mean, I think that's for pastors and and most people in leadership. I think um, adaptability is one of the great skill sets that we're going to have to manifest. If we we aren't adaptable, we better learn how to be really quick in this environment, for sure.
2: Yeah, it seems like uh, so much of the success of relating to the current situation happens in our our minds and our hearts and our spirits that it's it's a, a, a mindset uh, that equips us to really engage the present in uh productive ways i'm i've calling i have a new presentation out called the current situation and i thought about instead calling it the great reevaluation because you all know of uh, Anthony Klotz, who coined the term the great resignation. He's the researcher at Texas A&M and uh, a very insightful uh, person and a a great insight, but but that's limited to vocation, uh, which we all know about so many people reevaluating, including pastors and church staff, everybody reevaluating their vocation. But I would call it the great reevaluation because it, it's not limited to vocation. The people, because they have encountered these exi- existential crises, life and death with the pandemic, and then all the divisiveness in our society, volatility, and so on and so on, all of that has caused people to step back and just reevaluate life in general, uh, personal relationships, where they live. Uh, how they spend their time, recreation, uh, and God, faith, and church. People are reevaluating their relationship with God, with their faith. You, we talk about deconstruction, reconstruction all the time. That's a, a because of a faith crisis, people are reevaluating their faith. Uh, the same is true with church, that people are asking, Uh, foundational and existential questions about their relationship with their churches. Right. So I call that the great reevaluation and I think there are plenty of next steps beyond that, but does that seem to make sense with your experience? Absolutely. I
0: I feel that on a personal level um, and I could, I suppose, share more about that, but I'm curious, Mark, what you're seeing with pastors In what way are pastors Reevaluating their work. Uh, I know, you know, I've got several friends who've left the ministry, you know, kind of post mid pandemic. Um, others who are, <clears throat> excuse me, staying around in the ministry are sort of reorganizing how they do their work. Um, so, wh- what are you seeing?
2: Agreed, very much so. I, and I would see those uh, as signs, as hopeful signs. That people who are paying attention and showing up are the ones who are reevaluating because they're recognizing that that communicates to us. They recognize things have radically changed, that it is a different world. And and when we recognize that and we experience that, then those who are present and engaged just normally reevaluate their lives and ask, it it brings those existential questions to the, to the surface. Why am I doing this? What do I want to do? What's the purpose in this? Does this engage me? Uh, So pastors are asking those questions just right alongside people in their churches are asking the questions too. And I see this as a perfect timing for God's church. You all being a part of pinnacle know that way before the pandemic ever came along, Remember back then, back 2020 and before, we had churches from all different denominations contacting us, asking, how can we adapt to the world we're in now? The modern to postmodern uh, shift is happening and all this, everything seems to be different. How can we adapt? And so that's what churches were already asking before the, the pandemic came along. And it simply uh, amplified. Those questions. And so I think this is perfect timing for God's church. We we wanted churches to ask those questions anyway, because we saw the need for shifts to take place. And now more of them are naturally doing that. And that's where the opportunity for growth, for progress, for moving into something that is more centered in the way of Jesus might be a way to say that's the opportunity for us.
1: It it seems to me kind of building off of that idea that the pandemic amplified a lot of the questions that were being asked and maybe amplified some of the uh, movements in the wider culture that we were experiencing before the pandemic. It it seems to me that if the uncertainty or the volatility that we are experiencing in the world, if if that is sort of a core component of the new normal, then there are going to be these challenges of, of adaptability that Rhonda was mentioning and moments and times that pastors have to pivot and change and shift, maybe midstream, uh, churches as well. Um, and I know you've written a little bit about that recently and are starting to think about how pastors can be proactive, how pastors can pivot in the midst of uncertainty
2: and change. For sure. Uh, it's not uh pastoring as usual uh business as usual for sure it's a, a different world and so uh, none of us were prepared for this none of us were trained for this we've never lived through a pandemic before it's new territory for all of us and i think naming that and recognizing it and accepting it can open the doors too many things and so some pivots i think are very helpful uh the first one i i would say and i don't know that this is sophisticated language but get ourselves to good space we just need to do whatever we need to do to get ourselves pastoral leaders church staff lay leaders too any leaders in churches get ourselves to good space whether that means Uh, adding another day of rest to the week, stepping back from ministry for a short period of time, uh, going on renewal leave, engaging our faith in a deeper way. There are many ways to do that. But I think getting ourselves to good space where we detox enough from all of what has happened in recent years and declutter enough and laid obstacles aside enough that we can get ourselves to a space where we are we are able, um, and we have the mindset where we're able to look for God's presence and God's uh, appearing, and the energy of God's God's movement among uh, it. I'm, I'm reminded of a church we did some work with in uh, another state from where I live that uh, was a first church of its denomination that had experienced some. Long, slow decline over a long period of time. Uh, They had a small group of people where they used to have a huge group of people and mostly all they could see. All they the lens they were looking through was how we used to be. Comparing the present to the past continually. And as you would imagine, that leads to a demoralized church environment when all we're talking about is uh, the current compared to the past when they have more members, more programs, more blah, blah, blah. So in this church, they have a beautiful facility that's paid for on a corner in the city. It's it's an excellent location. Another church that started in their community uh, with a new church developer uh, had rented space and they were asking this church, first church of its denomination, if they could share space. And so they came over to look around and they toured it with uh, the committee from First Church and their pastor. They toured it, and uh, they decided not to rent space from this uh, established church, but the church planner made this comment to the people who were there. Wow, you all must be on cloud nine all the time because you had this beautiful facility with no debt. You have all this space that you could do wonderful sorts of things with. You have this core group of people who are committed, mature Christian people. They participate. They give their money. They uh, are invested. They're committed. You have a pastor who's present and accounted for. You have all these resources. You all just, you have not made. And he was comparing this to new people who are part of their new church. Many who did not come from Christian backgrounds, who didn't know basic disciplines of the faith spiritual disciplines or practices or much about how to be church together and so he was was uh, envious in a positive way of their assets and, and what where where I'm going with that is the shift that that mindset change made in the the perspective of these people who are part of the established church is now they started thinking wow hey, we do have all these assets. We do have all these gifts and graces. What could we do with that? If, if, so it took somebody from outside who, who wasn't stuck in their past to observe. But all that to say, that's getting ourselves to good space. Uh, I, I'm eager to partner with those people who now can recognize because so much has changed and the great reevaluation and the, uh, the great resignation and all these things have happened It presents wonderful opportunities for us to be church in more robust uh, expressions of church. So I think that's the first pivot I would identify.
0: Yeah, and I appreciate you naming some ways that pastors can get ourselves into good space. You know, I think one of the challenges is (laughs) uh, during the height of the pandemic, you know, a lot of us were just running on adrenaline because we were having to reinvent church and then there's the letdown right after the initial crisis is over, and and you know the, the disappointment of not having attendance being what it was. You know we were building, 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 and then it kind of came crashing down, and now we're kind of having to rebuild. A lot of us, anyway. Uh, I know I am having to kind of rebuild, um, and so it it has taken a, a a lot of energy to get through the crisis. And now I'm having trouble finding the energy to do the work that rebuilding requires. So uh, yeah. reframing, um, uh, getting myself into good spaces. I think um, I've got to put that on the calendar.
2: Yeah. And uh, that's a great way to say it because uh, I know rather is a very motivated sort of person and many of us are goal oriented, get her done sort of people. Uh, but even Even people who are wired that way, I think, are recognizing that uh, this is not self-care as usual. It's not what we were talking about before the pandemic, the 10 years before, practice healthy self-care and life balance. This is not that. This is in order to uh, be, in order to honor who we are as individuals and be good stewards of ourselves. And in order to lead effectively, we have to get ourselves to good space because you all know how leadership works, leaders influence the mood and morale of their organizations in tremendous, significant ways. Many of them would be hard to trace. You can't, you can't see the, that happening, but just how we are influences the mood and the morale and the momentum and the energy of our system. And, and I think that's a double bind. I think to add to what you were saying, Rhonda, uh, the double bind is clergy, church staff, lay leaders are exhausted just like everybody else. And they recognize energy needs to be added to the system. Somebody's got to generate some enthusiasm for being church here. So they feel caught in this double bind. Our churches need some energy, but I don't have any to give this. So it's a double bind. And I think that takes me back to just foundations of our faith, like Psalm 46. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. It's not our job to work up the energy for our churches Mm. to function.
0: Thank you for that.
2: Yeah.
1: Seems like that's an opportunity for us as pastors and leaders to trust God a little bit more, um, you know, to grow in our own faith in that way and know that the vitality of our congregations and the the vitality of God's work in our community doesn't rest entirely on our shoulders. Um,
0: Does that I, mean I have to give up my messiah complex?
1: Hold on a little while longer, Rhonda.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you remind me of uh, the old saying, way back when I was in seminary. Which is, I learned two things at seminary: one, there is a God; number two, that's not me. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I call on that all the time. That God, God will provide the energy for God's church. ours Our role is to trust ourselves to that. Get ourselves out of the way and trust ourselves to God's energy and trust that God will provide for us what we need to do what God calls us to do. And uh, easy to say, tough to do, but when we get there, that's when our energy starts to increase again because we're not generating it ourselves or working it up. And, um, and I think that really does lead to the, the second pivot that I'm focusing on that uh, is clarifying the why and the what now is a perfect time for churches for leaders to help our churches clarify the why and the what the why is what it's always been god loves us that's why we do what we do that it's because of god's love that's foundational for everything but the what is what is the purpose of church and I, i think if we can clarify this it removes so many obstacles and so many problems the more clear we can get on this And let me suggest an answer, this is just mine, but I would invite churches to consider what their answer would be. What's our purpose? For me, it's transformation. The purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ is to transform we ordinary human beings into reflections of Jesus Christ. It's to transform churches, communities of people into greater expressions of the body of Christ and is to transform our communities where there are signs of the kingdom of god or the reign of god uh, happening in our communities so transformation individually collectively as a body of christ and in our communities i think that's the number one purpose of church and the beauty of that is first it's enlivening when i describe it that way i want to be a part of an organization a group of people who is actively being transformed into something more robust and life giving. But the other part of it for leadership in churches, is it removes some expectations. It clears the debris of some expectations. I, I remembering uh, Gil Rendell, who's a, a church consultant, still active writing some great books and has wonderful stuff, but he invented the phrase, the happiness trap that many of us mission drift happens over time our churches drift into the idea that the purpose is to make as many people happy as long as possible and that's the purpose of our church it's a consumeristic mindset when we bring that to our church experience then our expectation is well church is going to do things to make me feel happy about myself and about my life and confirm my perspectives on life and confirm my attitudes. And so when that's my perspective, if my church challenges me to transform, I'm irritated with my church. That's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to make me feel really good about what I'm already doing. and I already am. So when we can recognize the purpose of the church's transformation, then when we are challenged by our pastors, our church staff, our church leaders, we say to ourselves, well, that's normal. That's, that's the new normal. That's what I would expect, isn't it? That to be transformed. If if my expectation is I'm going to be different six months from now than I currently am because I participate with my church, then when I'm challenged, I just see that as that's normal. That's that's part of the purpose. We are accomplishing our purpose. when I, So I I guess it cuts down on church whining, so to speak. I whine a whole lot less about it because I expect. Sometimes I, my perspectives will be affirmed. Other times they're going to be challenged. And that's what it takes to grow as a follower of Jesus Christ and be a part of transformation.
1: Well, and it seems like that that clearing of the ground and that refocusing on the why and the what is a great... Initial step toward figuring out what is it that we ought to be re-engaging—that was vital, uh, significant, meaningful in the past, pre-COVID—and and then what are certain things that need to just be left behind in order that other things might come. I think it just provides a lot of clarity, so that as churches are making decisions about how they engage whatever the new normal is. They've got a common goal, a common place to begin answering those questions and moving forward in in their life and work together. I, I feel like we're at a moment where more pastors and churches are engaging or starting to engage those questions. I know personally, as a Pinnacle Associate, I've had more interest and engagement around these sort of questions and processes with churches and pastors and it seems like in the broader pinnacle world that's happening so obviously folks who are listening and thinking hey it'd be great to re-engage the why and the what they certainly could engage a pinnacle person to come alongside them and be a part of that process uh In addition to that, what would you say, are there there a few ways that pastors and other key leaders in churches could begin clarifying the why and the what?
2: Yes. Uh, I went on an airplane trip recently and was reminded on the runway of um, uh, switching your phone to airplane mode. Uh, which we also do. We, we love to hike. And when we go hiking, we often do that because uh, you can't get cell service anyway. And we don't want to hear any calls coming in. But anyway, I would love to see, see a switch on churches that can switch to discovery mode. I would call it discovery mode. And, and I think these first two uh, pivots, um, getting ourselves to good space, clarifying the why and the what, set us up then to switch to discovery mode, which is like our spiritual ancestors who were early on in the Christian movement. They were discovering how to be churches and how to form themselves. Uh, Get ourselves to that kind of good space where we are cultures of discovery. Uh, Remembering again, Todd Bolsinger's book about canoeing the mountains and that image of the core of discovery Uh, It's a a great image for the sort of cultures that we want to cultivate and create in churches. So uh, having making that pivot to that kind of mindset. And then so I think those those first three pivots, but then some very practical things, maybe two or three that I would suggest is one that's a structural sort of thing, which I'm rarely excited about, but I think is is the time for it. It's a great time to streamline your structure as a church because the structures we have were largely designed for pre COVID living and for the modern era, even pre postmodern living. They have committees, they have a lay leadership team, they have a council, they have, uh, we have bylaws, constitutions. We need structure. I, I'm not against structure in any way. We need structure. We just need helpful structure. Let me give you an example. Uh, the Hartford Institute for Religious Studies is, does great research. They are Lilly funded, so they've been able to do this for a long time. One of the things they discovered post-pandemic is that churches in their survey, which is 15,278 churches, is a huge survey, pre-pandemic, those churches were reporting that 44% of their people were volunteering to serve either within the church or in a missional ministry in the community, 44%. Post-pandemic, the same 15,278 churches are reporting 20% of their people are volunteering to serve. And you can do the math real quickly. 20 is less than half than 44%. So- Thanks for that math.
0: (laughs) It might've taken me a minute.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to point that out. (laughs) So God help you. If you're on the nominating Mm -hmm. committee Mm -hmm. that you have this structure that was designed for pre pandemic, where you had 44% of people willing to say yes. Now you got 20% willing to say, but you have the same number of positions to fill. So you can see the dilemma that's uh, created Right there for the nominating committee. And the, so they, they have great angst. The other place we see it is with clergy, church staff, and lay leadership. These are people who care about their church, who want it to flourish. And so they kind of say to themselves, we don't have the volunteers we need, so I'll step up. I'll take on a little more. I'll take on a little more. I'll take on a little more until they are fried and that contributes to the first thing we were talking about the level of exhaustion for church leaders Uh, it's partly because they have taken up the slack from the lack of volunteers uh, in the system so all that to say there are a bunch of binds created from that dynamic that it, it makes it unsustainable that way of being church is unsustainable so one way to help ourselves escape that bind is to streamline our structure and to do what David was just saying is evaluate what from the past, what structures are currently helpful and we need them. Let's keep those and use them. And then what is superfluous and is no longer helpful to us? Let's lay that aside. And then what else do we need? We may need some new forms of uh, structuring ourselves. So I think streamlining the structure, it's a perfect opportunity to do that.
0: I, uh, I think you're totally spot on with that. I think streamlining structure would be very important at this day and time. What's tricky, and here's the double bind again, is finding the energy to lead a process like that, to get that going. Uh, because it does require pulling people together and having the conversations. And churches are notoriously slow at any kind of change process. So um so uh, how do you how do you help with that double bind there, Mark?
2: Well, I, I'm I'm starting to think, um, as you describe that, that's the way we would have done it before. Oh, we would have a process, and it has a bunch of steps to it, and it might take six months or a year to complete that. Um, I think there is still a place for that. And we need. There will be a time to do that, but I. I think there may be some preliminary steps that can help. Uh, for the for right now, uh, rather than having to, try to generate the energy for that. And so a couple of things I would mention is one. Uh, just go ahead and follow the energy. Um, the Holy Spirit is. We have these symbols, uh, like the dove. Wind, fire, um, energy is one way I kind of visualize the presence of the Holy Spirit, that when you see energy in your church rising for something that is mission congruent, when you know what the why and you know what the what is, you see something that's mission congruent rising up in a person or in a group of people or some sort of movement. Follow the energy. Just follow the energy that I think that's the way we are. We are going to make the road by walking. That's one way to do it is to pay attention to the energy and where it's and, you don't. we don't have to organize anything to do that or get a committee together. We can simply follow the energy and where it is taking us. And then. As we do that, affirm every mission congruent move. When people make moves like that. I think what you said, Rhonda, is what our people in our churches are also, they they are hesitant to take mission congruent, to make mission congruent moves because they think we have to wait for a committee to do that. We have to wait for uh, our church to vote about that. We have to wait for you. So if we can go ahead and affirm when people step out of their comfort zones a little bit and take a small step forward that's mission congruent. We will train ourselves over time to recognize our church values this. This is our way forward to affirm these things. I'd suggest also to go ahead and work with those who are ready to work. Not everybody is ready to to make any moves forward. Don't worry about those who are not ready. We're ready at different periods of time. And so just don't fret over them. The old way of doing things was to not move ahead until we have everybody on board with what we're going to do. Um, it had, that was a faulty approach from the beginning, but that's how we used to do it. Is we want and so what we would do is spend ninety percent of our energy trying to convince those who are most hesitant to do whatever it is we want to do, and then we're so tired hard <laughs> to even move forward with it. So I'm suggesting rather than. Just respect where people are, love them where they are, care for them, but don't fret over that. And with those who are ready to take some mission uh, congruent sorts of risks and move forward, work with them and go forward with them and know that that's going to influence the whole rest of the church. And then so if we can get some movement going, we can get some energy rising, we can make some moves forward, we can create a mindset that's looking for How's God showing up in these moments? What's our next move? When we can get, get that moving somewhat, then that's the time to do what, what uh, I think David had mentioned before is uh, to engage a larger church in a, in a process for identifying our next moves that we're going to make collectively together. We kind of have to get it jump started in order to get rolling enough to get the energy to do those sort of things.
1: And I guess there are also some things that by necessity or innovation that was forced by COVID that we've already been doing differently and they've been working okay. Or we've seen glimpses of their potential for whatever this new normal is. And so we might also sort of bless some of the ways that we've just adapted on the fly without a lot of deep thought or process and to affirm that it's okay sometimes to deviate from the bylaws and the constitution and the way we've done things in order to follow the spirit or in order to just keep our heads above water or whatever that looks like. And maybe if we can call that out and affirm that God has indeed given us what we've needed to survive and uh, you know, maybe even thrive in some ways through these last couple of years that Mm -hmm. it can give us a platform to be a little more experimental, be a little Mm -hmm. more free and open
2: as Mm -hmm. we follow
1: the spirit into, you know, whatever is to come.
2: That's, that's an excellent way to update our church perception. We as individuals have a self perception. Uh, Churches also have a church perception of themselves, and it typically runs several years behind current reality. So with what you just said, David, churches who think we're not able to change, we're not very good at change, we're not real adaptive as a church, uh, we struggle with uh, engaging the present moment, that's not literally not true because they did they learned how to do worship quickly they went online for bible studies they did choir rehearsal in people's front yards they they did all these sorts of things that are wildly innovative and creative so i think helping them update their church perception is to we can adapt when we need to look we did it reality says History now says we did it. We are able to do this. God did this through us. We are able to partner with God to be who we need to be uh, when, the, when the situation calls for. It. That's a great way to build church esteem, you might say, and raise the energy. I, that, that's the mindset we're talking about is when we can get to that kind of mindset. Wow, look what we did. Then it's easy to go. And what's next? Where else is God calling us to go? We're we're rolling. Let's keep rolling with it.
0: Thank you so much for that, Mark. That's a great positive way. I think maybe to close out the conversation. As always, we appreciate you coming on the pod and lending your insights to uh, David and myself and our listeners. Um, so glad to have you on Pastor Life Podcast today.
2: Thank you for what you're doing, and really appreciate it.
0: Well, that's it for this episode of Pastor Life Podcast.
2: You can
1: learn more about Pastor Life Podcast, Pinnacle Leadership Associates, some of these things we've been talking about with Mark at our website, pinlead.com, that's P-I-N-N-L-E-A-D.com.
0: Yeah. Well, I think we're off to a great start with this new season of Pastor Life. What do you think, David?
1: I agree. What a great way to start. The only thing I think I would change is maybe we need to add a couple more question marks after a new normal.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think you're right.